Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. That is Sioux Falls, South Dakota. In case any of you out there were wondering, how about we spend a couple hours on the Patrick Lally Show. We're going to engage in some entertaining and energetic conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We'll talk about media. We'll talk about just political stuff, kind of filling the day. Uh, we got some immigration and some big-time policy on the agenda as well today. First off, Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today. Thank goodness for that. It's his, it's his last day of the week here. Last Fred. chance for a thousand years. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> or uh, the rest of the week, as the case may be. Yeah, whichever is shorter. Yeah, Dan, Dan's getting some some well earned, well earned time away from the KSOO studios, and we're happy about that. Just you know, for him, it's bad for us, but it's good for him. It's good for you, Dan. You're right there. I'm going to do my best to enjoy this upcoming four days. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information One Thousand KSOO. Maybe you're out driving around with the windows. No, you don't have the windows down. It's raining. Streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app with the one-touch live streaming anywhere out there in the greater world. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. Let's get to it, Dan. Let's get down to the brass tacks here, the news from the weekend. I finished the race, which isn't that so much, the, you know, the Dakota man. Everything was fine. It was fine. Who was in your front view there? Well, on your... nobody, because okay. because uh, uh, here's what happened. All right. So I haven't been doing a lot of training. We all know that. that that's pretty evident uh, by the photos. Um, so I was able to get the wetsuit on and all that. Dove into the water. Everything's going fine. Go about 100 yards. And I, I like, can't breathe. And there is such a thing as sort of, uh, you know, swim panic, water panic. And maybe since I haven't been in a race a long time, uh, I, I don't know. Wetsuit might have been too tight. I, I don't know. I had a very hard time swimming. And so I had to resort to the, uh, 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 the breaststroke. That's sort of the backup. The, uh, the side stroke, which is always, it's slow but effective. And uh, the, uh, the backstroke, which I'm not as good at. And then finally, just floating on my back and kicking. So it, was, it wasn't, the swim was not pretty. Let's just say that. I can, I can, it was as bad a swim as I have had since I started triathlon. My first ever open water swim was worse than this, but this was pretty bad. Out of the 83 participants, 83 individual participants in this year's Dakota Man out there at Wall Lake on Saturday, my swim time was 82. <laughs> so I started at a bit of a deficit. Now, even then, it's only five minutes-ish. I probably should be five minutes faster than I was. But uh, I had to, I had to, the rest of the race was fine. It was good. It was a beautiful day. No, here's how you look at it. Said, man, there were some serious swimmers out there. <laughs> yeah, they they were right. ripping it, man. Where did these people come from? So, uh, yeah, so the rest of the race was fine. It was beautiful. I had a great time. Uh, I, I, 
I was I talked to the mayor and some of my friends that were out there. Mayor Paul Tenhaken, who shamed me into doing this race, and so before the race, we're you know, good luck everybody, good luck, good luck. And I didn't see the mayor again because you don't see anybody in the water. Uh, we you have your it's sort of by waves, you know. So everybody that w- all the men forty and over went at the same time. The mayor having not so recent, not so long ago, turned forty was in my my cap, my yellow cap. So, but when I got out, all the yellow cap people were long gone. <laughs> but uh, so I didn't see him again because uh, I didn't see him on the bike. I, I just didn't didn't see him. But I saw him uh, at the run turnaround from. He was probably a hundred yards from the run turnaround. So it's out and back. So I'm like, whoa, I'm not that far behind him. I've I've made some ground here on the bike. But he he ran a pretty good 5k at the end, and so he was able to hold me off by a couple of minutes. So I lost to the mayor. That's fine. He gets bragging rights until the next time. But that's okay. That's okay. It was all in good fun. What, you got, what, uh, 363 days now to train for the next one? Yeah, something like that. Well, there are other races. I don't know. He probably will be too busy. He may not get to do any others. But, you know, if we should cross paths again yet this season, I'll have another chance. But, you know, he ran well. I made up time on the bike. Let's just say that. But he ran, he ran pretty well. So good for him. And I was happy. I actually, I was, I was okay with the way I finished, given the way it started. So that's your that's your Dakota Man update, right there. Case I know everybody was wondering because we talked about it so much. You can uh, see some photos and read more about it at uh, KSO.com if you are so inclined. And you really want to get down into the nitty-gritty of it. But, you know, you probably don't want to do that. Thanks to everybody out there, though. Uh, Kathy Grady, who was on the show last week, um, and uh, she ran just a a fabulous race with her co-race director there, Brian. Uh, And uh, it was really fun. It was really fun. They had a great kids race. Really well attended there. So I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen for a long time. There was some shock and awe that I was there. It was even more shocking all when I started putting on my gear. Ooh, ooh, a little bit, little bit thick in the middle there, Dan. That's all I want to say. Well, then, you know, that does get into the man of a certain age kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, but still, haven't you been having this different diet thing? Have you have you been sticking with that vegetarian? Oh yeah, atmosphere. I, so, I, but you can still eat a lot on vegetarian. Oh and yeah. Also. Also, um, uh, uh, beer is, <laughs> is vegetarian. In the world of the, the world of craft brewing and the proliferation of the local has not been good for me and my. Uh, so that's that's the next hurdle I have to tackle in the uh, physical fitness world. But I, I'll, that's going to happen, man. That is that is a gots to happen situation because mm, beer. <laughs> that's exactly it. That is that right there. You you put your finger directly on the problem. You can always go to the wisdom of of the Simpsons of of Homer. He'll he'll always show you the way. Um, despite all that, we have a fantastic show for you today. Uh, we it, here's the deal. So we don't take calls on this show very often. Sometimes we don't do it very often. We are going to do it today. We're going to because I want to have a discussion. We're going to have uh, three immigration lawyers. 
in studio with us today, Tanisa Islam. She's executive director of the South Dakota Voices for Peace, and she's been on the show before. She's an immigration lawyer. And then uh, two folks that she's bringing with her, uh, and we are going to talk about immigration law. And um, you can call in if you've got questions about how this is supposed to work. Uh, you know, I, we can talk about policy. I don't know how much opinion they'll have on policy, but these are people who work with immigrants all the time, and they know the issues back and forth. So we'll talk about that. Uh, you know, join that discussion. You can get in on Facebook Live, which is going right now. You can tweet us at P. Lally Show, um, or just call 338-KSOO. That's 338-5766, 338-KSOO. Jot that down. And the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to do this. So uh, prepare yourselves. Get your, get your pens and pencils ready. Uh, jot a few notes down see what you want to ask. Uh, Dan will be uh, taking your calls, screening them. And uh, so you tell him what you want to talk about, and we'll chat, and we'll get everybody in as much as we can. So uh, that's in the 4 o'clock hour, Taniz Islam and friends uh, chatting about immigration law. Um, the common man is our weird friend of the day. And uh, Jonathan Ellis, I'm gonna, we're going to chat by phone because our friend and uh, my uh, former colleague, David Kranz, passed away over the weekend. A lot of people know David. He was a frequent guest on these airwaves with uh, Rick Noby for many, many years and uh, passed away over the weekend. So Jonathan and I are going to honor David's memory with, uh, with some memories of him and, and stories that we have that's coming up. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic is the Rainbow Buffalo. You're going to want to stay close for that. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, we will get a little closer to free here on the PL statement today, and the Bodine's theme song, Closer to Free, is more appropriate today than it is most. Yeah, so in the news, I like to look around, see what's going on, but uh, today, what happened over the weekend is uh, primarily a social media issue. Um, and if you're on the Facebooks at all out there and uh, we share any commonality of friends, which we probably do because that's how it works, uh, you've probably seen some chatter about the Rainbow Buffalo, right? And there's a, at least one media story that I saw about it. There's not been a lot of coverage, but KSFY had a story over the weekend. And it, uh, it talked about the uh, viral nature of the Rainbow Buffalo. Uh, so what this is, how this happened is uh, the, the Rainbow Buffalo is a, just what you would think. It's a, it's a, a bison, American bison, uh, one of our majestic animals here on the Northern Plains, uh, a little silhouette of it with uh, uh, the rainbow colors in the outline of said bison. And it became uh, a big deal because... Um, uh, this uh, the image had been posted or displayed at some measure at the outdoor campus in Sioux Falls, uh, and uh, somebody saw it, a mom with a three-year-old, and uh, apparently called the governor's office, 
Uh, but uh, according to KSFY on Saturday, the governor's office said Game Fish and Parks removed the picture because it is perceived by some as a political statement, something implying the opposite message would not be on public display in a state park facility either. The governor's office said they did not receive any calls until after the fact. Uh, Sioux Falls Pride posted on Facebook, uh, and that had 500 shares. Uh, my friend Mike Hendrickson also posted and uh, was very eloquent in his statements. Um, and, you know, he gave several very legitimate reasons why a mom should call the governor's office asking for change. Um you know, it's it's been it's shown up a lot of places. One of my favorite uh, that I shared over the weekend was a uh, 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 image of the state seal, and we remember the whole state seal controversy. Uh, and and I have changed my Facebook icon to the one with the radio clash fist in it. Uh, many other people have their own versions of it. Uh, care of Mr. Robert Melling, friend of the show uh, from the Sioux Empire podcast. Um. So here's the deal, all right? You know, the whole thing is pretty ridiculous on its face. However, okay, I understand how someone with uh, deeply held beliefs against homosexuality may take the display of a rainbow, anything, the flag, anything. You know, they might see that as a political statement. You you can't see that any other way. Um. And at a publicly funded facility, which the outdoor campus is, there's no room for political statements of any kind. One thing that bothers me about this, however, is the woman pulling her kid into it. Um, She complained that her three-year-old shouldn't have to see this. Well, you know what? Her three-year-old's going to see it. All right? It's the rainbow. Um, I don't know that a three-year-old really has any... Uh, discernment between one rainbow to the next, okay, from, uh, you know, pretty pony to, uh, you know, the flag hanging anywhere that you might see it anywhere in Sioux Falls. So that, that's ridiculous, lady. I, that's just dumb. You can, you can be upset by that and you can make a suggestion that perhaps this isn't a, uh, the place for a statement of that nature. If you perceive that as a political statement, okay, that's fine. In the big picture, it's a message of inclusiveness. And you cannot agree with the right of people to live life the way they choose. You may not believe in the science and research into same-sex attraction, homosexuality, but it is a reality in our world. It is not fully protected by the Constitution as of yet, but we have legal gay marriage in this country. It is part of the fabric of of our country. You live in a free and pluralistic society that allows and accepts all different kinds of people. And if you can't just live and let live to accept a message of love over hate and see South Dakota as a land of inclusiveness, then I do feel bad for you. However, the display of the image at the outdoor campus probably can't be defended purely from a consistency standpoint. You wouldn't want pro-life messages displayed there. You wouldn't want white pride images there. You probably wouldn't want candidate bumper stickers there. You probably shouldn't have a crucifix there. You shouldn't have the Ten Commandments in in the window. Those things are all true. So you, it, it's, it becomes indefensible at some point, right? But to me, the... The sad fact of that 
is not that you can't have political statements in a public sphere. That that's I get that. You have to believe that if you're consistent at all. The sad fact is that the rainbow is perceived as a political statement. And I understand it. I understand why this happened. It's too bad. Um, it's, it, it, it's unfortunate, but I can see why whatever government entity, if they were contacted on this, would say, yeah, that's right. You, you got to do it. And the Sioux Falls Pride people are upset, and I, and I understand that too. But it's, if, if, you, if you are against the public display of religion, in public places, city halls, firehouses, and all these things, then you also have to respect the fact that if you are making a political statement, whatever that happens to be, even though you see it as a, as a message of love, which it is, and it's a message of acceptance and a message of inclusiveness, and those are all really good things. But there's a lot of good things about the expression of religion, too, that are about love and harmony and acceptance, and we don't do that. Unfortunately, the dark side of it is not about love and acceptance. It's about separation and uh, misunderstanding, for lack of a better term. So I'm sad about it. I, I will display it where I can. And, you know, you can, you can have the discussions in social media. And uh, I support the thought. I support the philosophy. But I understand why it can't be hung at the outdoor campus. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Reach me, Patrick at KSO.com. Get on the Twitter at P Lally Show. Remember, we've got a call in coming up. We're going to talk about immigration law with Tanisa Islam and two other immigration lawyers here in just a moment at the four o'clock hour. After the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with the common man. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's Monday and it's 3.30 and most days, most weeks, that means it's time for the common man. And this week is no different. Mr. Common, are you warm? Are you dry? Are you okay? I'm a, I'm a little mossy. <laughs> yeah, getting a little, getting a little uh, uh, moisture on the corners. corners. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's an old, like an old rock. <laughs> <laughs> an immovable force, to be sure. This, uh, this stone is not rolling, but I was impressed by your... By your uh, your 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 fitness man competition, whatever oh, it is, it was I. The patheticness of my swim cannot be overstated. I mean, well, this was a situation, and I, I didn't mention this earlier. I actually had to stop, take a little, get a blow, and hang in there, hanging off a kayak for a minute. Just <laughs> let me <laughs> let me get. <laughs> it was terrible. I try not to go swimming anymore because I noticed Japanese trawlers following me around. Yeah, I will say this. Every time I looked up, uh, so they have kayaks out there, which is mm. great, and they have uh, the like the Minnehaha County uh, uh, search and rescue people out there in the boat. <laughs> you know, the professionals, which is good. But it seemed like every time I looked up, they were right there. Like yeah. they had identified me as a, you know, uh, they're going to split me off from the herd. <laughs> Potential <laughs> casualty. Uh, you know, when, when Greenpeace starts pushing you towards the beach, 
<laughs> yes. That you know you've gone bad. When the Greenpeace boat shows up, you just give it up. <laughs> They're pouring it. water over your blowhole. <laughs> 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 That's exactly uh, it. It's just never good. No. What have you been never. doing, man? What have you been oh, up to? Oh, not much. I've been hanging. No, I've been, I've been just kind of getting a kick out of watching the news here the last couple of days. You know, about like Sarah Huckabee Sanders wasn't mm. was shunned and had to be it was booted out of her restaurant. Because they didn't want to serve her kind there. Yeah, I t- that was a little much, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's 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 a kind of a testament to the the level of crassness that that we all you know. None of us, well, you know, you try not to be guilty of it, but but if if you're not guilty of it, you probably enjoy it a little more than you should. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, but but where does when did that? You know, I I, I hearken back to the, into the days of you know watching uh, To Kill a Mockingbird when you're a kid. You know, in the part where old, you know, uh, Bob Yule spits in Atticus's face, mm-hmm. you know, every fiber of your being, when you're watching that, you want to go, oh, God, just slog him a good one now. <laughs> My Gregory Peck could rip that guy from stem to stern if need be. And But, you know, Atticus, is, he's better than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be part of the thing that we've all lost in, in, in the course of current and human events. Yeah, I I could I when I saw that I thought you know it's it's fine and you know in the light of the whole uh Colorado cake baker case and all that stuff and that it's I you know I I kind of get it but you do you just have to if you're a restaurant and or you're at the movies which happened to another just let the people be all right if, unless they're giving a speech you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they're sitting there with their family having dinner, leave them alone. Their money's as good as anybody else's, and oh, that's, that's true. That's that's capitalism, there, right? Yeah, exactly. I I don't think that you should. I don't think that the, the baker should have turned away the gay couple. But that's me, and I don't think. Or you can handle those things differently. And I know they sort of uh, singled that guy out, and they went after him on purpose. And that's and that's wrong. But you know, if you're in business, just if, if, as, as abhorrent as it might be, you, you don't you don't kick people out. Well, I mean, yeah. you just don't I mean, do I mean, that. There's, there's there's things that you have to. If you're a business owner and you're hanging out, you're shingled. I mean, yeah, you have the you have the right to refuse service uh, to anybody, but it's just not a very good business practice no. because. History has taught us that there are businesses that said, "Hey, we don't, we don't serve Irish. We mm-hmm. don't serve, you know, uh, anybody or di- different persuasions of all kinds." And then all of a sudden, those people weren't in business anymore. Yeah. So it's if that's your business model, well, <clears throat> well, good luck, good luck with that. With that. <laughs> but shaming people, political shaming—that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I suppose you had to do the, you know, the, the stomp out of the restaurant. No, that's a, that's the thing. Is it, it, that could very easily go. Completely sideways. I, I can. There, there will be a day if that keeps up, where there are no, you know, no Packer fans in, in, allowed in bars, and mm-hmm. you know, we know we want we want sport bar purity. You know, oh my mm-hmm. God. Although that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> some of the heckling you get back and forth in some of those places. <laughs> well, that's your fault. Um, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. I just it's, it doesn't make any sense, and. It, Apparently, these people at the restaurant like took a vote of the employees that were there, and I'm thinking to myself at that point. First of all, it's a restaurant, okay? If you're going to let the employees decide your business practices at that, you know, you're 
that ain't going to work. It's your restaurant. You should do what you think is best for your business. Now, that's, an, that's another way to be out of business. Yeah, let the employees run the joint. <laughs> yeah, what do you say, inmates? Let's well, you know, should we take this weekend off. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's shut her down on Saturday. <laughs> but that's when we make all Ah, who cares? That's <laughs> it's your money. I still get paid, right? Um, uh, common man, uh, thanks a lot for being with us today. And do you, uh, do, did you have a joke for us at all? Did you have anything? God, I had a mom. Yeah, no. I've got one quick one. I'll, I'll right. go with that. When it's just, so there's, there's a cowboy pulls into town, and he, you know, in the old west, and he takes and he gets, hops off his horse, ties up his horse, and reaches down into a big pile of a uh, horse dung, and, and rubs it on his lips. And guy across town, the shopkeeper looks over and says, "Wow, that's weird. I wonder why he does that." Goes over and asks him. Says, "Hey, there, partner. Uh, I saw you uh, rub that stuff on your lips there. Uh, why would you do that?" Cowboy says, chap lips. The guy says, well, that's great. Does it help heal him? And he goes, no, but it keeps you from licking him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and with that, common man, thank you very much. You bet. Have a good one, Patrick. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Jonathan Ellis of Argus Leader Media about the late, great David Kranz. And uh, after the news and weather at the top, we're taking your calls on immigration law. So get ready. That's 338-KSOO. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Public service announcements with guitar. Know your rights. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Get the phones ready, 338-KSOO, because after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk about immigration law with Tanisa Islam, Henry Evans, and Kerry Schofield, all immigration lawyers. We're going to learn a lot. It's controversial, but you should know the facts. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And it's 406 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we have a full house here for the hour. And we're going to talk about something that's uh, very important, very timely, which is immigration law. And I am very happy to have in the studio with us from my right to left, as th- that's just like a football game. They're going right to left. My, on my right, Tanisi Islam, Executive Director of South Dakota Voices for Peace. Henry Evans, he was the first private immigration lawyer in Sioux Falls and has been practicing immigration law in South Dakota since 1997 and teaches law at USD. Carrie Schofield is a lawyer licensed in the state of South Dakota. She earned her Juris Doctorate degree from the university and MS and BS in economics from SDSU. She has been providing pro bono services to families detained in South Texas since 2014. All of you... Thank you very much for being here. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time, and I know you're very busy, to talk about what is a very important issue facing the country today. So thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having us. Um, so uh, let's uh, get right to it. Um, the And by the way, you can call with your questions at 338-KSOO, 338-KSOO, and uh, we will uh, start taking calls here in a minute. But I want to just sort of introduce everybody and talk about the news of the day, which is that the president said that he would be 
uh, open to uh, basically eliminating due process to process immigrants uh, who have crossed the border undocumented. And uh, first of all, can he do that? Who 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 has uh, some some notion of what's possible there? Tanisa, is that is that something that the, the president of the United States can do? Um, you know what? I think we have a constitution in place that would preclude him from just taking away our constitutional right to due process. Um, once you are inside the United States, the Constitution applies to you regardless of your citizenship or your legal status. So my 2004 under remembrance of constitutional law when I was in law school would lead me to believe that, that that would kick in and it's just more of the propaganda around what we're seeing with this administration and immigration. So you guys all work uh, with immigrants at various levels. Um, what do you make of this, the zero tolerance policy? Obviously the law has been in place for a, quite a while, decades. The Flores uh, settlement has been in place since the 90s. Um, this is, in essence, not a change in law. It's just a change in policy, right? That's how I, I understand it. What is your opinion, then, of the policy itself? Uh, Henry, what do you think of it? The, the, the shift of the policy is now going to take U.S. attorneys who are prosecuting crimes such as RICO, insider trading, federal drug trafficking cases, child pornography issues, and, and, and take those prosecutors away to have them prosecute for a misdemeanor. And I've been doing what's called the Criminal Justice Act work for the U.S. Federal District Court of South Dakota since about 1999. Mm -hmm. And in that time frame, I've only seen one guilty plea to, illegally, to, to the misdemeanor charge of illegally entering the United States. What does that mean? You only, you've only seen one guilty plea. That means only one time out of 20 years has that ever come up. And the person was charged with something else. So since it was a misdemeanor for the benefit of the bargain, that person received that. Well, why don't people plead guilty to that? It's a misdemeanor, right? A lot of times people aren't going to be charged with it. And the reason why they're not charged with it is because it's going to take time to prosecute for that misdemeanor. In exchange for not prosecuting for those mis misdemeanors, the U.S. government can work on drug prosecutions interstate, you know, trafficking mm -hmm. of people, child pornography issues, and all the other negative stuff. So people, when they come across the border, if they're charged, it, when if they're picked up... Um, they are typically they placed in a removal proceedings. They just they get sent back to sometimes. Central America or wherever. Right? Sometimes, and sometimes they're placed into, into the immigration court process. The immigration court process is different from the U.S. court process. Mm -hmm. U.S. court process is the Article Three of our Constitution, U.S. attorney, and then defense attorney, all the famous Miranda rights we hear every night on TV. Mm -hmm. Judge Schreier's our chief judge here in Sioux Falls for the Southern District. Mm -hmm. That is different from immigration court. Immigration court is an administrative court that is operated by the Justice Department. And there's an immigration judge there. And the immigration judge is an official of the Justice Department. Homeland Security has an office, has an attorney in there, and that's the Office of Chief Counsel, where sometimes it's called the Office of Professional Legal Advisor, and we and it and they're called OCC, and they represent ICE. They need to demonstrate why the person is removable, mm -hmm. and then the respondent is it's a civil action, not a criminal action. Yeah. So they and, and so, so essentially, so they're, they're not entitled to a free attorney. Yeah. Um. 
I've seen discussions as to whether or not Miranda rights should apply or not mm-hmm. to Fifth Amendment rights on statements. So in, in the case of that, it would seem that you could suspend due process in an immigration court as the president of the United States. So you may have, barring any sort of uh, congressional action um, preventing that. Uh, the, this book here, immigration law book here, says that they have to be written up with an NTA and they have to go to immigration court. There's a certain provision in the law that says if you're caught so many miles from the U.S. border, mm-hmm. then ICE can issue that. And ICE stands for the Immigration Customs right. Enforcement Unit of the Homeland Security Branch. Um, Carrie, you work with families down on the border. Um, is this, uh, this process, the zero tolerance policy, seems to have created uh, a, the consequence of it. They, they, nobody can deal with the the children and they're separated. Um, but at the same time, there's not enough judges. There's not enough lawyers. There's not enough places to put people. What's your perception of the, our, the, the degree to which we were prepared for this zero tolerance policy? Not at all. And if you look historically, the, they have been housing children with their mothers and that started back up again in 2014. And if you look at the history of the Flores agreement, they have been violating that for not housing them in proper conditions consistently since 2014. In fact, in just about a year ago, last summer, a special monitor was put in place because they have been violating it so much. So they they haven't been prepared to detain the ones that they have been detaining Mm -hmm. together, let alone separate. So what has this created down on the border? I haven't been down there uh, this summer yet. Mm -hmm. I'll be down there next month. But from what I understand, it's just chaos. Um, a lot of advocates. I mean, we're we're all. I think w- no matter where we are, because it touches South Dakota too. We've already had some that have been released up here. Um, we're just all trying to work a system that just keeps moving the goalposts on us. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to come right back, and we're going to take some calls and uh, talk about more the effect on South Dakota, the immigration law, and uh, just what this all means for us. So stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Nothing but a pick on the side. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show. Immigration one, immigration 1000. I've done that twice today. Information <laughs> 1000 KSOO. And we have with us today three immigration lawyers. Taniza Islam, Henry Evans, and Carrie Schofield. And all practice uh, immigration law in uh, this area or are involved in immigration um we were just uh we had a question earlier when we were uh off air and uh, i think uh, uh dan peters has the the question for us dan what was it so what the basic premise of the question talks about someone who is a u.s citizen and that u.s citizen is put into jail for for some offense and then compares that to the people being separated from their families on the border. Now, I guess you have to establish, okay, what is the the degrade of the law when you're applying the law in this situation? Okay, what is the penalty for for entering the country illegally, or or how does that right. status how work does its that, way through? Yeah, and Henry, uh, comparing the this conversation that's been going on concerning immigration, um, people lose their children when they get arrested in the United States all the time. How is uh, was the the administration's policy here any different from that? 
I mean, that's basically the question. Yeah, um, the administration's policy was the fact that we're going to f- charge in a criminal court processing the crime of illegally entering the United States, we're going to take away your children. But the crime illegally entering the United States is a misdemeanor. And when you're in the federal court system for federal crimes, the federal sentencing guidelines will apply. So if a person doesn't have any criminal history, then you're looking at zero to six months maximum time in a jail. Mm -hmm. That's typically what the U.S. court does here on felony sentences where they get sentenced to zero to six months because it's not really a felony because the sentence can only be up to six months underneath the federal guidelines. And so the rationale that says, hey, we're going to separate a parent from a child for a six months to a year type of crime doesn't really equate to the type of crime where, hey, we're going to take my children because I might be distributing drugs. Hmm. And I do do a lot of abuse and neglect work in South Dakota in in the state court system. Or I've shoplifted so many times, so we're going to take my child away from me. And Patrick, if I could add to, I think the moral equivalency is also not the same in the two scenarios. So right now what's happening is we're separating innocent children from parents and detaining them in prison-like detention facilities where there's absolutely no process, as we found out in the last week, for reunification. Some of these kids are getting put into foster care um, with no real goal to reunify with the biological parents or to even send them back to their countries. There's no process for that. So the moral equivalency of that question for me is not the same. Um, And these are children that came with their parents. And Henry, correct me if I'm wrong, but in illegal entry entry as a misdemeanor, the consequence of that is deportation, right? I mean, there's no other, I I mean, you don't get a fine, you don't get anything else, you're put into proceedings to be deported, right? Absolutely, and what I do, and I don't wanna get too carried away here, on the deportation proceedings, but I had a client who, when you're in immigration court, you're issued this notice to appear. And the notice to appear outlines why you're either what INA section 212 says, you're inadmissible, meaning you're not worthy enough to enter the United States, Mm -hmm. or INA 237A that says, hey, because of your criminal past, you're deportable. And there's a type of relief from removals that the respondent or the person the proceeding has to assert to show why they can overcome these challenges. And this gets back to your question, Tanisa, is that I just won a case not too long ago where the person had that conviction for illegally entering the United States. It was an automatic deportation. He ended up getting a green card out of the deal. Really? But, but there are some immigration-related crimes that relate to automatic deportation, such as maybe the possession of a false social security card. Mm -hmm. And for better or for worse, since the new administration's taken over and Attorney General Jeff Sessions has taken over, I am seeing different types of plea agreements to where the government is going to charge out the heavier crime. That's going to carry that deportation consequence on it more so than it had previously. Oh. And, and, you know, and, and part of that was during the Bush administration, too. Yeah, that's so, interesting. So I don't want to get off Trump versus Obama, but... Uh, <laughs> but, but that's okay. Carrie, you were going <laughs> to add something there? Yeah, I, I think it's really important to look at the root cause of this, though. Why are all of these families suddenly entering in places other than ports of entry, which would 
make it a quote-unquote illegal entry. And it's been pretty well documented, at least for the last year, that the government has been turning people, asylum seekers, away from the ports of entry. And they started doing that by having the Mexican government intercede and giving them numbers and saying, we don't have room for you today, but you're number 45. Good luck, you know. We'll see you next week. You sit in the desert somewhere? I mean, right, right. Hang out here, you know, vulnerable at the, in Mexico. Um, more recently, they have been, and lawyers have been down there walking the border and have documented this videos and stuff where they send CBP now halfway out on the bridge before the border and don't let anybody approach unless they have their documents in hand in order to get in. And that's important because they've been saying, the, the administration has been saying, well, these people aren't coming to the port of entry. They're not following the proper procedure. So they, that's why they're put in this situation. What you're saying is they can't get to the port of entry. Right, right. And so my argument back to that would be the government is breaking the law first. Title 8, Section 1225 of the U.S. Code says an asylum seeker that comes to a port of entry and expresses their desire to apply for asylum must be referred on for an interview mm. to further screen that claim. And when that's not being going on, we're forcing vulnerable people into a situation. And the concept there is they're just, ex I mean, by sending U.S. officials out halfway on the bridge, doesn't that at some measure extend the port of entry? Certainly. I guess I would, back to the comparison of... Um, the person getting charged with a crime, I guess, to me, the real comparison would be, let's say they refuse to let you into the hospital. You know, this is um, private property, whatever. You can't come in. You're so desperate with your sick kid that you barge in there anyway and you get slapped with trespassing. Yeah. That's. We're going to come right back and we're going to take more calls. And uh, we appreciate that one. And we've got a bunch of questions on uh, on the Voices for Peace Facebook page is very active, and we'll take more questions, 338-KSOO, if you want to get in on the conversation. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And uh, we return to our conversation with Tanisa Islam. She's executive director of South Dakota Voices for Peace. Henry Evans, he is a private immigration lawyer, the first one in Sioux Falls, and has practiced law since 1997. Carrie Schofield is a, also an immigration lawyer. She is, uh, spends time down on the border in Texas, South Texas, providing pro bono services to families detained down there. And, of course, we've been chatting about the recent developments uh, in uh, the immigration policy in this country and also uh just what it all what's it all mean and how's it all work because we're just silly silly people um uh carrie you had mentioned something earlier i want to go back to it which is you're seeing the results of the change in policy up here and i'm oversimplifying what you said but what does that mean i mean how do we see that in south dakota oh there when I've been down in South Texas, uh, in one of the facilities, they, as the people leave, they hand them a resource guide for all the lawyers in their states, and they didn't know I was from South Dakota, and they, I said, oh, let me see what you got for South Dakota, and they said, you know, we send a surprising amount of people back to South Dakota, and it's because their families are here. It's, um, we have jobs here, um, so their families are here, and they come to join their families, so you would be surprised. Even the folks on the border are surprised at how many get released yeah. and come to South Dakota. So th you're working 
you're down there working and, and people end up in a facility somewhere and then you work with them to like hook them up with family members or get them some sort of status that lets them get into the country? In the process before this zero tolerance policy was enacted was the families would be detained together. There's three family detention centers in this country, two of them in Texas, one in Pennsylvania. And so I would go down and do pro bono work for the women and children detained in Carn City in Dilly, Texas. Our goal down there was to get them out on bond so that they could pursue their asylum case. We didn't take their hearing all the way to the end, but they would get released eventually go to wherever their family was located and pursue their asylum claim from there. And, and what does asylum really mean? We were talking a little bit off air about asylum versus refugee. Tanisa, sure. what, what is that? Just really quickly on uh, Carrie's point, too, is that this crisis at our border has been happening way before today, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the first kind of images we saw in 2013, 14 were of these kids in military bunkers because they didn't know what to do with them. And so it's really important to understand that if children came on their own and they're under the age of 21 in immigration law in most states, 18, but if they came on their own, they were classified as an unaccompanied minor. Mm-hmm. And since 2015, when the Office of Refugee Resettlement took kind of custody of these kids and started placing them to sponsors in different states, basically awaiting their deportation hearings and any claims they might have from relief from deportations. So since 2015, South Dakota has had 284 unaccompanied minors in our state. And they're transient. I mean, there's no like solid number of how many folks there really are here. But this this is a an issue that's been going back a long time, and kids are here. Before, They've been here. Before we return to the asylum issue, though, I want to uh, talk about why that is. So we started seeing this in 13 and 14. Something I read along the way said it was largely because the nature of, of immigrants changed on the southern border to more of Central America, where, where now we're getting more families, where it used to be in the 80s and 90s, it was primarily single men or you know one you know groups of men and now that has changed precipitously has that caused the problem that we started seeing in 13 and 14 i mean it's a fact that the murder capitals of the world are located in central america murder capitals of the world el salvador honduras Honduras, yes and even to a certain extent not to interrupt i've got you know some mexican nationals that i've represented on illegal entry cases Mm -hmm. or entry after deportation on the criminal charges that says, hey, I was deported before, but it's just too dangerous to live down there. So I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it. And when they come back and they they do get a felony charge, can, if you're coming because you say your life is in danger and it's, you're going to keep coming, when does that become a request for asylum? You know, what did you have to be to make that request? Because we keep hearing that these are asylum seekers. So there's a big distinction between refugee and an asylee. Okay, so in Central America, South America, Mexico, anything with our borders here, there's no process to be a refugee because a refugee is designated by the United Nations Human Rights Commission, the UNHCR, which we just pulled out of, by the way. And so they designate who a refugee is. But the legal standard is the same. You, you fear, you have a well-founded fear of persecution, um, or you have been persecuted based on specific things, race, religion, um, nationality, a particular social group, 
and political opinion. Mm. And uh, that fourth category that I just mentioned, particular social group, has kind of been where lawyers have been very creative Mm -hmm. in trying to say that my client fits into this particular social group, so she or he should be afforded asylum. So, Henry, could that apply to a situation that you're talking about with a Mexican national who comes back, gets caught? uh, Can they, at that point, say, look, I I need asylum. I can't go back there. I will be killed. Does that work? Yes and no. It really is going to be fact specific. I, uh, the, the body of immigration law has, has ordered that being a teenage man or teenage boy, young man who may be suppressed into a gang mm-hmm. is not a type of particular social group that Tunisia was just talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of the creativity has to come into play. It, but, when a person enters the U.S., they have one year to complete their asylum application, your 589. And if they don't, they have to show a reason why that one year was not filed. Mm. And then at that point, the asylum claim turns into a different type of claim, which could be a withholding of removal that says, hey, you've made your claim and you've proved it's more likely than not you're going to be killed upon your return. But we're not going to deport you to El Salvador because that's what you... But if Honduras takes you, mm. Mexico takes you, somebody else takes you. Do they? Does that happen? Uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm a Honduran and I get up here, I get arrested, I get deported, they'll send me back to Mexico, but not Honduras. Oh, not necessarily that. They, Mexico's got to accept you. Yeah. So let me go back and clarify that. But ICE is going to go through a checklist I see. before they kind of quasi-close the file on that. Mm. And we've got people in Sioux Falls from Central America who have those types of orders, but also from East Africa mm-hmm. yeah. who have those type of orders, yeah, too. that would make sense. Um, we're going to come right back. I have these questions that i got to get to, and we're just keep, we keep talking. So we'll be right back. Talk more about immigration law on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 446 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with immigration lawyers Tanisa Islam, who's with the executive director of the South Dakota Voices for Peace, Henry Evans, and Kerry Schofield. And uh, we haven't gotten to very many questions because we've been talking, but there is a question on the Voices for Peace uh, uh, Facebook page here having to do with the Flores Agreement, which is we've heard a lot about. Uh, and uh, Adele asks... Um, are we going to see the Flores Amendment modified so kids can be imprisoned longer than 20 days, but with parents? Are they going to be held safely if they are in mixed adult child facilities? How can they assure us uh, the kids are safe? Carrie, uh, 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 on this issue of the of the uh, Flores uh, settlement, just what's going to happen? I mean, something Congress has to do something if we're going to actually address this issue. Is is it within the parameters of that agreement, or how does that work? Well, I know that the government has gone in and asked the court in California that issued the Flores Agreement. Still to the same modify. judge, by the way. Yes. Which is judge pretty amazing. Judge Dolly G out of the Ninth Circuit. And I highly doubt, I can't see her modifying the agreement, um, especially because the government has been violating the agreement so egregiously for so long. Like I said, they've had a special monitor now in place. So I don't foresee her modifying the agreement, but yet they've asked and that hasn't been ruled on. My other concern is that the legis- or Congress will make laws that will supersede Flores. And if that happens, I'm very worried because along with that Flores agreement, 
those lawyers that initially were on Flores, they have special rights that they can go in and interview any class member. So they are the only ones right now that are seeing what's going on mm. inside and able to talk to those kids. And without Flores, we lose that too. That's interesting because Congress, the, they can change the law. Yes. They just don't seem to be able to. Yes. Um, and if they change the law, from your perspective, it might not be for the better. Right. One of the other important things to know is what was going on that led to Flores. And they were detaining women and kids together. But if, um, let's say, they were upset with one of the women inside the facility, they would separate her from her kid for nights, days at a time, keep them in separate cells. As punitive for whatever behavior. Right. Mm. And so even detaining them together without Flores and even with Flores, we're not ensuring that they're not being separated um, in a punitive manner. There's a lot of other things that were going on that led to Flores, daily strip searches of kids, kids being in stripes, mm-hmm. um, kids being held in facilities that weren't um, child-friendly. Yes. Right. Child right. right. Um, uh, Henry, you talk about uh, some of the cases that you've, you've had up here. Um, I don't know how else to put this. How bad is it? I mean, how, how, what's the, what's the landscape out there like for uh, people who are undocumented in Sioux Falls and in South Dakota? What are you hearing and, and how many people contact you regularly looking for help with immigration law? Quite a bit. Yeah. I'll probably get three or four calls a day for new help on that. And you can't take them all. What happens? Then I try to refer them to Carrie or Tunisia or somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the big problem in our state, Patrick, is there are no legal services, no free legal services for these kids. Um, Our closest bet is in Minneapolis, the Advocates for Human Rights, who serves the Dakotas as well. But they're a small nonprofit organization, too. So they screen calls. If they think they have a strong case, then they'll take them on. They try to find pro bono attorneys in South Dakota. So since 2014... I've partnered with with trainers from the advocates to come and train local attorneys on how to take these cases. But, you know, it's about 100, 150 hours each case. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to ask t- for a pro bono lawyer. Yeah. Um, so we need more resources here on the ground to hire attorneys um, to serve the 300 kids that are here and the more that are coming in addition to their families. What happens if you can't get a lawyer? I mean, that the people may represent themselves and end up getting deported and and they may or may not have had a claim. I think the statistic, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's like 80% chance you'll get deported if you don't have a lawyer. Right. So the the big kind of push in 2014 was to find the kids and just get them to talk to a lawyer to see if they had a good case. Because especially for the kids who are unaccompanied, um, they had a, a stronger chance of finding a path to citizenship, which is always the goal of an immigration lawyer. Not to just stay here and mm-hmm. work, but can we get you citizenship, the most protections that are lost? And, and one must become a permanent resident of the United States first before they're on the path to citizenship. And then you have, and before that, you got to get a temporary residence <laughs> of some sort, right? right? Some status to keep right. you here. And it's really important to note is when Congress changed the Immigration Act in 1996, Congress also changed public funding for immigration services, whether it might be helping people become U.S. citizens to removal defense. 
And it's just been very, very much a struggle for that to go. And, and, and because of that complication, federal funds really can't be used on immigration cases. Mm-hmm. State so people, funds could or private funds could. But people have to come up with their own money. Yep, and it's very, very hard because... And, oh, I'm sorry. Because when you apply for asylum, you have to do it, and you can't really file for your work card until six months after you filed for your asylum. So you've got at least 90 days, you know, 180, you know, about nine months waiting to get a job. You're going to need somebody to support you, a family member or an agency or volunteer. Something. Yep. Yeah. It's all yours, Carrie. No, I was going to say that too. And they're not work eligible. So when we're talking about when are these um, mothers going to be reunited with their kids, it's also important. They're requiring a sponsor that has proof of income to release the kids so the moms can never be reunited with their kids until they're work eligible or they find somebody else because those moms claiming asylum can't work yeah um you guys uh how often do you win i won a big asylum case about a year ago this time and it was a case that tanise would be proud of because it came from the minnesota advocates another sioux falls lawyer casey ekoff worked had one of the family members on that she's at the multicultural center I had, she had like the grandma and one of the sisters. I had a daughter who had a child. And then the national, international law firm of Jones Day out of their Houston office yeah. came involved and they stuck with the case in Minneapolis and they had the husband of my client. And it was all based upon political asylum oh, and wow. how the gangs interfered on, you got to vote this way. And you might recall in 2014, 2015, you had a tight election in El Salvador. And so, the, you know, you're not going to be able to revote and... And but we won that case. So now those clients will be able to file for the residency cars this mm-hmm. year because once you're granted asylum, you have to wait at least one year before you can file for your residency card. Uh, we could talk, and we will. We're going to do this again because I enjoy it. See, <laughs> no, well, there you have it. Uh, Tanise Islam, she's executive director of South Dakota Voices for Peace. Henry Evans was the first private immigration lawyer in Sioux Falls, and Carrie Schofield, who is also an immigration lawyer and works down uh, in South Texas pro bono. Uh, as much as she can. Uh, You guys, thank you very much for coming in. I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for having us, Patrick. Thank Thank you. you. Coming up, we'll finish up the show here in just a second and talk about tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. (laughs) 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up uh, tomorrow on the show, Sue Mollison will be here. She is organizing a big all-Lincoln High School band reunion. If you're ever in the band over there at Lincoln, you're going to want to hear about this because that was a good band. I didn't go there, but they were all right. Blogger Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com will be with us. We'll talk politics, and the Boon Man is our weird friend of the day. I hope to see you all tomorrow. Take her easy out there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. KSOO.